Hello and welcome to EdTech Talk 86, being streamed live on Equinox Weekend, March 22nd and 23rd, 2020. This is Jeff Lebo in Pusan, Korea, joined by Dave Cormier in Windsor, Ontario. Oh, this is Jennifer Madrill in Chicago, Illinois, slash some log cabin in Wisconsin. And this is John Schinker in Stowe, Ohio. Hi, everybody. It has, hey, it has been five and a half years since we last gathered for a webcast, nine and a half years since EdTech Talk 85. So uh, what's new? <laughs> what's new? <laughs> I was going to say, what was the decision point? Wait, that you made this an EdTech Talk versus an EdTech Weekly. I... You're saying you never released all of those other ones that we've been, we've been talking about <laughs> for the last five and a half years. We're really yes. re re doing the audio, cleaning up the audio. Uh, I don't know. I thought... I just couldn't call it EdTech Weekly with a straight face since it's been five and a half years. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, yeah, but I, you know, I, um, we've all been going through crazy times and certainly the EdTech world has played uh, a role in all the change in society. And I thought, well, who, who do I want to talk about it with? And I thought my old EdTech Weekly buds. So here we are. I thought maybe we could start off uh, since it has been a minute since we've gathered. If we kind of update where we are, what we're doing, and uh, how this whole thing has affected our day jobs and lives. Sure. Let's go in order, Dave. What is the order? Are we all in the same order? Like I don't even know. This well, is a whole new the world. Top. I'm going back to our old time. You always started off, didn't you, on the link round? Yeah, well, you can't ever get me to shut up. So obviously. No. <laughs> I don't know. Can you make, can you adjust the, where we are on the thing? I don't think you can. Can you the gallery? Uh, I'm happy to start though. Um, <clears throat> I've moved to another province in Canada. I'm now in Windsor, Ontario. If you look at the descending part of Canada, as it wanders down towards Detroit, we are just South of Detroit. If that gives people any sense of where that is. Um, and I have just started two and a half months ago as uh, doing digital learning strategy, which two and a half months ago, everybody was like, what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> we know now, how to do that, right? Well, who needs that? Uh, and then suddenly, um, as those of us who are been involved in online learning have discovered, suddenly people want to talk to us um, and have questions. And they want those questions answered right now. So that's pretty much been my life now. Strangely, for me at least, um, this thing has now come and everybody's in a hurry and everybody wants to talk to somebody who knows online learning, but I don't know the answers because most of what they want to know is how do I set up an MCQ exam or like, how do I do the thing in Blackboard that does the thing with the thing? I mean, it's just not, I haven't spent any time in a learning management system. About want to talk years. about rhizomes? Want to talk about rhizomes? <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about theory? Uh, no, no, no. I just, I want to put my multiple choice exam on the internet and I want to make sure my students don't cheat which I always respond, that's impossible. Just forget it. Just let them cheat. And then their yeah, eyes get wide. Where, and where you know, we are now, right? we've, we've been talking about this so long. We've moved to what is learning and how does learning look and not tools, but all of our stakeholders are, are missing that conversation. They're at the, how do I do exactly what I was doing last week, but from home now. And it's all been, our whole first week has been focused on how do we get the tools in their hands and, and get those simplified and get them, you know, training on here's Google Classroom and here's Zoom meetings and here's how you can record a video and send it out to your kids and here's how you can, you know, give them something to do that's meaningful and not just, you know, workbook pages that nobody's ever going to look at. So, you know, can you update us on what where where you are, what you're doing, and how it 
played out for you yeah, last I, few weeks? I'm a uh, uh, technology administrator, technology director for a school district outside of Cleveland. Um, it's the same job I've been in for 21 years. So I'm still doing the same thing I was doing last time we talked, which is kind of overseeing all aspects of, of technology. And since we last talked, we, you know, bought devices for every kid and, um, you know, went to one-to-one. We, we spent uh, several years talking about what instruction looks like in uh, this century and how, uh, how we need to adapt. And that happened in some places and it didn't happen in other places. And now we're learning a lot about what's actually going on in our schools as we uh, hear from our teachers who are kind of panicking about, you know, what, what does the new world look like? But um, mostly I've kind of the last couple years have been more on the operational side, like getting the infrastructure to work, making sure devices are deployed and, and working, make sure that, you know, the internet works and we've got enough bandwidth and firewalls and like all of that stuff. So I've been less hands-on on the instructional side. Um, we are fortunate to have some instructional coaches in our school district who do a great job of working with teachers and, and taking them from an instructional perspective and through an instructional lens and then bringing the technology to that. And they're, they're super good at that. So I work with those folks quite a bit, but don't spend a lot of time hands-on with teachers anymore. Do you miss that? Um, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there are pluses and minuses to both sides. You know, I, I get frustrated on the tech side and, and it's really nice that I can walk down the hall and talk to the coaches about learning for a while. And then, you know, when I get frustrated there, uh, we need to buy more document cameras so that we can do, you know, workbook pages on a smartboard. Then I can walk down the hall and say, let's, let's work on some, you know, some computer stuff for a while. So it's, you know, it's good to actually have a balance of both. Yeah. All right. Should I go? Sure. Okay. So I think the, the last time we had our EdTech Weekly, it was September of 2014. And I had just put in filings for a nonprofit called Designers for Learning. And they were approved in uh, 15. So I spent from 2014 to actually February of this year um, managing a nonprofit called Designers for Learning. And we did all kinds of fun things where we had instructional design students take on uh, service learning projects to create instructional resources and learning experiences for mainly nonprofits that are in the adult education space. And I noticed I, I ended it, I bookended it in February. Um, for a lot of reasons, we spent much of last year deciding what we wanted to be going forward. And we came to a decision that we didn't wanna be anything going forward. Um, things had really changed in the space we were working in, although now things have changed dramatically and maybe we wouldn't have made the same decision, but. When we first started out 2014 timeframe, students were having a hard time gaining experience. And so they were very willing to do service learning, meaning free work for people. Um, but over as the economy got better and people got jobs, we were utilized less and less. And not to say we didn't have a lot of great people participating with us, um, but we did some great projects, but we were finding it really hard to get funding also as well. So when we, Throughout through the process last year, we were kind of coming up with like a fee-for-service model, which was pushing us more to like an LLC versus a nonprofit. And so we decided, well, if we're going to do that type of work and if we're going to do fee-for-service work, we'll just do it as consultants and just do it individually. And so we've parked the nonprofit right now. Um, however, as I said, in the course of the last 30 days, I think my students probably could have done a lot of good service learning for people 
um, if we kind of kept, kept things chugging on. So who knows, maybe that will change. And then kind of tying back to my question to you, John, the work I'm doing now is I'm helping subject matter, I'm working as a subject matter, helping on a grant funded project for adult basic educators to integrate technology in that context, which reminds me a lot of K-12, probably 20 years ago, where they don't have technology even at their disposal. Some don't even have Wi-Fi in, um, in places that they're teaching. Um, and I adore it. So I'm working with a right now a cohort of adult educators who have a ton of uh, experience as educators, but not a ton of experience integrating technology. So they're literally purchasing Chrome books as part of this grant. And they're going out finding out what OER is, Open Educational Resources. So a lot of the stuff we've talked about for 15 years here, um, I'm getting a chance to like bring it to a new context. So that book ends my five years. As an aside, I love my Chromebook. When I was in the States, I bought a Chromebook. My goodness, what great value. And like, it, I, it's kind of replaced my iPad for my commuting uh, I'm, productivity I'm using device. one right now. And, and it's the only device that any teacher in my district has seen me use for the last year. Like every meeting I'm in, every time I have a device, it's the Chromebook. And, you know, we, we, we look back at things like OLPC and, you know, this $100 laptop idea. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> let's take devices to Africa and just drop them off with all the kids and, and, and all of the, the baggage that goes along with that. But, but one thing that did come out of that whole mess is we've got affordable technology. We've got yeah. the ability to hand things to every kid. Change the price point. Really worry about it so much. Yeah. So that world has changed a lot in the last seven or eight years. Not that anybody asked, but I'll tell you about me. Oh, uh, I asked you. <laughs> I guess you on. said you shave it. The newly shaven Jeff Lebo. What's going on? Yeah, you know, because of uh, all the masks we've been wearing, mm, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I found that they're irritating my beard a little bit, so I thought I'd give it a shot without a beard. Uh, uh, Korean school year starts March 2nd. I got back from the States February 18th. Uh, the hot spot happened like February 21st. So shortly after that, we got the call, and I should say I'm teaching at the Pusan University of Foreign Studies. I teach uh, undergrad and graduate courses, Puffs. It used to be Puffs, now it's Buffs. Uh, oh, right. And, and I also coordinate um, a teacher training program where teachers take public school, experienced public school teachers take six months off, and they study with us for five months and then go overseas to Canada, Mississauga, was the plan. Um, so... February 20 something, the word comes down, okay, university's postponed for a couple of weeks, teacher training goes forward. Hey, could you do something online? <laughs> so I don't know. What is this online? <laughs> so I rediscover Zoom. What a lovely, lovely, lovely. program. Uh, and in all, for full disclosure, I am now a shareholder. Uh, <laughs> so, so part owner of Zoom. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I'm sold. Um, so, starting March second, we've been having nine to five every day, all day, Zoom sessions with time. these teacher trainees, <laughs> and dealing with the exhaustion of that for them, and and learning the importance of balancing synchronous and asynchronous. Sure. Um, and then March twentieth, um, the online learning, or March sixteenth, the online learning kicks in for the undergrads. And for me, the biggest challenge, like you know, I'm used to including some ed tech in my classes, a blended course, you could say, but I prefer the uh, wild west, 
lack of order approach, whereas now we have to use Canvas. And we have to, according to the Ministry of Education, have this many, 25 minutes of video content for every hour and oh this many. Yikes. And so dealing with the bureaucratic stuff and just kind of learning Canvas. I am the one who, who wants to know how to copy a quiz from one subsection of a course to another <laughs> subset, like all of that. So it's been challenging um, and very thought provoking. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. No, it's funny you say so that because- questions. So many questions. You know, it's funny you say that because the same experience that I had because I've been trying to figure out what I should be doing, right? Because suddenly I'm in the midst of this online revolution and I'm feeling a little useless, frankly, because I can't answer your quiz question. So here we are with Jeff and I, who, you know, first met. Jeff taught me how to use a discussion forum, what, 20 years ago? Yeah. Um, and now neither of us know how to use a technology <laughs> that people are trying to figure out. But I mean, for me, what I've, what I've focused in on is assessment because it seems to be the keystone of all of this. And that's what I'm doing in the background is trying to pull together enough people to put together an argument that we need to change what we think assessments for if we're going to do it on the internet because oh my god are you approaching this from a big term approach or a get through the semester approach no i figure um as i'm not totally practically frontline for this term i'm thinking fall because I'm, I'm basically making the assumption we're not going back for fall um and if i'm wrong then but if i'm right the, the worry that I have is that all the people who are doing the fantastic work at the front line now are going to get called before the provost on the 15th of April when they're exhausted. And they'd be like, I don't care anymore. Uh, it's just whatever. <laughs> and so what I'm trying to do is put into place some things that say, look, an MCQ in a distributed way online, if you're doing it for real grades, is a waste of time. There's no way to stop the cheating. There's no way to, I, I, I don't call it learning anyway, but even if you did, it's not going to work on the internet. You can lock down a browser, but I mean, you can record people's faces, but you know, if I do this all the time, does it mean I'm cheating? Um, so some real, real problems I think we've got coming up and that's the stuff I'm trying to get involved in right now. So anyway, John cut me off earlier. I never got a chance to say it. Damn John. You know, I'm also figuring out how to, you know, my undergraduate courses are conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> but in a way this tech, you know, Zoom is great. I love breakout rooms. I love uh, that I have a, a recording of, of class. You know, it's an adjustment for them. They spend usually the first 10 minutes of class just making sure their hair is okay. <laughs> you know, appearance is a big issue. <laughs> and like, there's always sort of that awkward, you know, first week of school social component, which is now online, which I think some people are very comfortable with, some people aren't. You know, for the teacher training, uh, one of the courses I teach is uh, technology integrated language learning. And this is great. It's really much better than leaning over their laptop. Uh, you know, you, I can annotate, I can say, well, they have a problem. Can you share your screen? And I can annotate. I, I love it. The other is teaching workshop where they're doing teaching demonstrations and micro teaching. And that is difficult to replicate what a face-to-face -face class would be. So figuring out like which some course content is just well-suited to this, some is just not. So, so many questions. So, <laughs> so you were saying your course was face-to-face -face and now you're switching it like midstream, plus then you're planning for stuff that hasn't started, right, Jeff? Uh, our program is, was, is a face-to-face -face program normally. It never got started. It never got started. So they didn't know each other before. Correct. Okay. So we had so week they're... one in Zoom. Okay, got um, it. 
And you had how much time to like design your course? One week. One week, yeah. So how did, how did so, everybody figure out how old the other person was? <laughs> In Korea, that's kind of essential to- Oh, that's essential to- The know. grammar of addressing uh, someone. You literally can't finish a sentence unless you know how old the other person is. Because uh, the ending is changes based on the other person's age and status. Uh, like, how do you even solve that problem, Jeff? Well, like, teachers generally right. use sort of the respectful grammar toward each other oh, anyway. Right. Sure. <laughs> so you got yeah, Just that. teaching English doesn't matter. <laughs> just teaching English doesn't matter. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Jeff is teaching English. <laughs> That's true. English is a much more liberating language in that sense. Um, so uh, lessons learned so far, tips and tricks. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I was going with going somewhere with what I was asking you. So oh. because I've been, when I, when this first all kind of came down, it's been kind of interesting to watch Twitter. So like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I need to design an entire course in, you know, three to five business days and maybe I'll get the weekend. And so people are like, you know, actually trying to do that. Well, you, you can't do that. You can't create, like you're saying, you needed what, 25 minutes of video for each week. Plus, you know, it, you know, you can't, so there's just not enough hours in the day. And then it's gone to more of like the triage, like mash unit. <laughs> We're just going to get done. We can get done. And I think it's going to be kind of interesting to watch how that has panned out. And then also kind of emotionally, people are like, not only am I supposed to do this, but my kids are now home because schools are closed. I can't exactly know where I'm going to go get my groceries. Um, I'm worried about my parents that live in another state. And so like, there's just convergence of, of issues. And you've become a counselor too, because everybody, half the people Absolutely. who come in are like, what am I supposed to do about my research? Like you, you've done this. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, I plus, done then, anything. plus then the post that like, literally it started out as a joke, but then people are like, well, with all this new free time you're going to have, why don't you get those papers written that have been sitting off to the side <laughs> of the desk, you know? <laughs> Um, so I think that part's this kind of this, the, the watching that trajectory has been really interesting. And that's why I asked you, like, were you doing this midstream or like, or is this a whole new cohort or whatever that you've got of students? Because I think, and yeah, kind of I, what you said, to, um, um, Dave, too, as far as like what you're planning, you like, it's totally different thing about the fall versus what you're doing next week. So totally. Yeah. I would say my early lessons learned are. A, don't assume your students know how to adjust audio settings. <laughs> just because just they're young, they don't. <laughs> and two, cut yourself some slack. Like it is going to be challenging. You know, I, I have a little bit of experience in this area and it's, little. it's been so much more time consuming for me. And to try to do teaching in a meaningful way and jump yeah. through all the hoops and learn the stuff, yeah. cut yourself some slack. Jose makes an excellent point in the uh, chat room. What about like special needs students? Sure. Or, yeah. you know, right. Young right. learners, how do you get online with them. Although I should mention uh, today in Korea, EBS, which is like the big education broadcasting uh, setup here, is starting live teaching for elementary, middle, mm. and high school. So instead of just saying, okay, go. <laughs> I've heard a lot of parents say, screen time limits are gone. <laughs> They're gone the first day. <laughs> but now you can plunk them down in front of the TV and they can actually have a day of school or not on TV, it's uh, all streamed. Yeah. We had, um... We had planned to have a single day with just staff in before we closed the schools and ended up canceling that and telling everybody to stay home. Um, so our teachers uh, found out Thursday night that Tuesday they were starting online instruction and Monday was a day to plan for that. And 
Friday but would, would be their last day with kids. So we were fortunate to have kids in. You know, my, my biggest fear in planning for this was we would decide at 7 p.m. to close school starting tomorrow and the kids wouldn't have anything home with them, right? Because we right. were sending Chromebooks home and textbooks and whatever. So uh, they had one day to prepare and we realized one day to prepare isn't anything really when, when you haven't done this at all. And um, so we really focused the first week on social emotional needs and just caring about kids and helping them through this really disruptive change, right? Because kids are, especially at the elementary level, are so driven by routine. And this is what we do and is so unsettling to them that, what do you mean I'm not going to school today? And I'm not going to school this week. And when am I going to see my teacher? And what about this person's birthday party? And who's going to you know, to, to feed the bunny in the classroom. And, um, you know, but, but we had this thing planned with this, you know, they're, they're worried about everything. And so just trying to deal with that first, we said, you know what, don't worry so much about teaching them anything. Just try to get them, um, get them into a basic routine for online or for at home learning and really focus on caring for kids. And part of that was, you know, record a video so that, or even an audio file and send it out to your kids so that they can see you talking, they can hear you talking, um, you know, share your voices with them and let them share their voices with you. And so just connecting with kids, I think was, was really important the first week. Now we're getting into second week. So it's, you know, it's shifting a little bit. Um, there's still a lot of that, still a lot of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety, but it, now we're starting to, okay, can we actually get some you know, some academic stuff starting to happen. And that kind of gave us our teachers a little bit of a runway too, so that they could spend some time thinking about how am I doing this online? So did you have a, the, were the students and their parents at all familiar? Did you have like Schoology or did you have like anything that they yeah, were, were used to? Classroom. Um, we're, well, we're using Google Classroom in grades three through 12. And they had used that before this transition? Like they had logins and everything? Oh yeah, yeah. The kids okay. have been using and. and Ironically, our elementary kids, our third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade kids, no problem, teachers, no issues, they use it all the time. Really where we had like the biggest concern was at the high school level um, because they're very, tend to be very traditional in their instructional methods or a lot of our teachers are. And so, you know, that was, and Dave had mentioned a couple times, I think on one of his, uh, one of his, I don't know what those are, vlogs this week about, you know, the, te the professor who wants to put his six hours of lectures online so that his kids can watch it. It sort of had to, had to do some coaching there and have them working within their departments, within their grade levels and, and trying to rethink how we're doing this in an online environment. So those conversations are happening. That's good. But um, to answer your question, I, uh, we had the groundwork already laid. They, they have They've been using the devices. They're familiar with the ecosystem. Um, the specific tools have taken a lot of training. You know, using doing a video conference, they hadn't done that before. Kids hadn't mm -hmm. done that before. Um, you know, teachers are are doing things in different ways, but but the basic tools were there. You know, when I think about the lessons learned from this process, to actually answer Jeff's question for once. Um, the thing that has struck me the most, I mean, I, right now I'm working with faculty. So I actually have a faculty job, but I'm working with other faculty, whatever that means. Um, but they are tenured faculty who make lots of money to teach people and do research and do service. And the degree to which they feel like they lack permission to control what they do in their classrooms was astonishing to me. 
not just in my own school, but in the other conversations I've had with people all over about this, where you can walk up to somebody and go, no, actually, you, you can just change what you're doing. You don't, the, the example that John's talking about, this person's assessment, he, they decided we, we changed the Senate regulations to give more flexibility on grades. And so they have permission, if they've got more than 60% of their grades done, to just not do any more assessment or what our real recommendation is, give an optional assessment for students who maybe want to improve their grade, but you have the option to do whatever you want. And so this guy he had enough assessment. He was comfortable with the grades the student had, gave him an option. None of them wanted it, it looked like, but he still felt he had to do his last six lectures. I'm like, what's important? What do you really care about? What, what's the what's the change you want to make in these people? What do you care about? His social work prof, right? Like he had real things he cared about. Um, but yeah, his idea was that this is what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he should do. And trying to deconstruct that has been uh, has been really interesting, you know, with passionate educators, not not resistors, not I don't care about the students, not I just mail in my grades, people who cared, but still felt like there's this box of education that they fit inside of. And, and by contract, by habit, they are tenured professors who have all the freedom in the world, but don't they, they feel like they're locked inside that tradition. That's been the biggest lesson for me in this process so far, I think. Well, I think too, like if we, if all of us sort of watch the trajectory of distance and online learning and like my big, I'm such a huge fan of Athabasca and people have been pioneering stuff like this forever. Um, and the standard we've always held distance and online learning too, as far as things like you're saying, assessment, well, how are you going to assess mastery when, you know, and with all the stuff that we've already mentioned with Jeff, your students learning languages or whatever. And so I do think it's kind of interesting to use this as an opportunity to go, you know, we've been thinking about this stuff for a long time and in your face-to-face, like you're, like you're saying, like the very basic question you just asked, like, what do you want the students to be able to do when they walk out the door that they couldn't do or know about before they walked in the door? It's like a great place to start anyway. And then, you know, you, you don't necessarily think about it in terms of um, the content you want to cover or the format you're going to use. It's more the chapters like, in your textbook. Chapters they've got to read. And I think coming at it, and, and, and even like what you're saying, you now we have a very condensed period of trying to like get something out of the valuable out of the experience. And I think that's the best advice you can get, give anybody is to say, what would you really hope that they'll know in these and know or be able to do? Just imagine being interesting. Imagine just doing this because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Imagine that everybody chose your course because they really wanted to take it and pretend that it's like that for three weeks and just try to do that. Well, two weeks now. Three weeks when we And started. I mean, that, that's something people could do offline or online. <laughs> Imagine your on, offline course is interesting. Yeah, that's, do, that's, right. that's my point. That's my point as far as like the standards we hold online learning to. How many times do we have those con- those conversations when we're thinking about designing a face-to-face class? You know, like it, you just kind of keep doing what you've been doing. Sorry. I, I do find so much valuable coming out of this. Uh, you know, first, so many changes have been um, accelerated that, I don't think we're, we're going to come out of this in the same place that we went into it, which is a good thing. And I have to say, as, a, as an educator, it's forcing me to rethink some things. It's, you know, it's, it's bringing a little bit of, of order to my chaos. Uh, I'd like to think I'm bringing a little bit of chaos to the order of Canvas in my own way. Um, but it's also like giving me new tools. Like, I love seeing the engagement of students. And Canvas gives me lots of information about that, which in my assessment, Matt, like effort matters. And it's kind of, I can yeah. see, all right. Juyun spent five hours engaging with course material and this Min, Min Kyung spent 10 minutes. Um, 
so I like that. And I, and like canvas, I'm, I'm learning to get along with it and, and, and play with it. And, you know, students care about assessment as much as anyone else. And sometimes a multiple choice tells me, did they watch the video or not? So like, I'm okay with that sometimes and bam, it's automatically graded. That's kind of okay. Um, so I'm, I'm in, when I'm not in survival mode, I'm enjoying the process. Well, how many students, that's another question too, you know, I teach also as an adjunct at University of Virginia and my classes are never over, like a big class would be like 20 students and that would really be pushing it. And so when I'm able to physically get done grading, I can do entire, you know, 20 page papers, but if you've got 200 students, what you're able to use as your vehicle to assess mastery is going to be, it's going to be different. You can't right. read that many pages. Yeah. I have like and 90 undergrad, 20 grad and 20 teacher trainees. Yeah. See that, I think that also comes into the equation as well. Like how much time do you have as the professor to be able to. Um, I'm mean, going to step away very briefly to say uh, goodbye to my wife. Who's actually uh, going to school today. Hi. Say hi to her for Give it, give hey, her a hug hi. for us. Um, but can you even like, and this is what it comes down to. Can you assess mastery at 200? Exactly. Like, I don't think you can. Yeah. I go back to like when I was sat in Madison, when I was an undergrad and 450 people in a lecture hall, I mean, did the professor know what I knew? I don't think so. No. And, and I mean, I'm comfortable enough letting people work their way through and maybe sneak their way through first and second year courses, as long as there's a catch somewhere, somehow where before they end up in some kind of responsible activity based on their degree that somebody has assessed, I wouldn't use the word mastery. I'm not comfortable with that term. Mm -hmm. um, but I think broadly speaking, assess whether or not they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, as long as, so to me, that, that, that idea that somehow mastery is assessed in a large class at all is, is part of the problem that we've got here is that people are looking for a way to be able to do what you can do, I think, with a scan of a classroom, you can look around and go, that person has no idea what they're doing. Right, right, right. Like that, I believe that I totally believe a, an experienced person can do that. Um, are they gonna be right every time? No, but no assessments right every time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but to me, it's a it's that goal that I've had that conversation, you know, 20 times in the last week where I'm like, you can't do it. It's not possible. Can you tell whether or not somebody's confused when they're doing a multiple choice exam? Probably. But is there a way to design a 50 question multiple choice exam that's going to be given online that guarantees that nobody can cheat on it? No, I don't think so. One of the things that, again, I only had 20 students, but my the class I taught, taught last, uh, last summer, I used both a reflection journal, which is, we use Canvas as well. So I just had them start a Google Doc. And then I, um, we also then would pull similar themes back in the discussion board. And to your point, um, Dave, it was almost like that feeling when you're in, in front of people in a classroom where you can be like, you have no idea the premise of my question <laughs> as, you're, you know, as you're reflecting on this. And you can tell pretty quickly. And so to your point, I wasn't necessarily assessing mastery, but I was getting a pretty good sense of, are they even grasping basic concepts here that we're trying to cover or even making an attempt to then internalize it and you know, give me back something that made sense. You're just using it to inform your instruction. Exactly. Same yeah. thing you do in a face-to-face. To determine whether they have succeeded in meeting your course goals. And so there isn't really any reason for them to cheat on it because it doesn't, it doesn't affect their grades. 
Yeah, what John said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, except that if it doesn't affect their grade, they're not going to do it. And, you know, you can run into that. motivation through points. Yeah, you know what? Those points do sometimes <laughs> do as annoying as they are. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, then it becomes like then, and they're busy. They have families, they've got jobs, whatever. And if it's, if it's not, if it doesn't count, I'm not doing it. Yeah, you and get really it. what this experience is highlighting for us is that our conversation about assessment is over here and our practice is over here, right? And so, yeah, we, we get the whole formative versus summative and some schools are doing 80, 20 or whatever, whatever your paradigm is for how you assess learning and what we should be doing. And then here's what's actually happening in the classroom. And now we're going to try to replicate this side online. And that's where we're running into trouble. Yeah, I mean... I mean, it seems more to me that we encourage work. I would prefer if we just assessed work. I mean, Jeff said that earlier. What I'm really caring is whether or not they're working. Um, that's the part that I care about in my classrooms when I'm teaching. I just want you, I want you to try. Um, and that, that's it. And all I'm trying to do when we say we want the to give the assessment to make sure they read the material, what we want them to do is work. You want so if we're just assessing work, why don't we just assess that? and assess the quantity of work that they do. And then, like I say, have those courses later on be somewhere before people become engineers and build bridges or whatever that allow in a smaller class to sort of go, oh, you really don't get it, do you? But I mean, I've been in all kinds of conversations with police academies, with um, well, the police academy was the most striking one I've been in probably in the last, since, since we last talked where I had three, four people from the police academy look at me and say, um, our current assessment model doesn't allow us to weed out people we know shouldn't have guns. Yeah. And there's nothing we can do about it because the person is acing through all the tests. What do we do? And I'm like, fail them? They're like, no, we can't. There's, there's no way in our assessment. We know as people who've been in, on the force for 20 or 30 or 40 years that this person should never be trusted with a gun. Everybody agrees about it. It's obvious. And there's nothing we can do about it because our assessment model is not designed to stop that person from being a police officer. Like to me, that's that's where the real problem comes in. Anyway, this is not a conversation about assessment. I took us down a bad road. I apologize. Well, determining whether they should be a police officer or not is determining whether they have the training needed to become a police officer. Whether they have their memory to prove that they have I mean, one recalled is, what they're supposed to be. I knew all the stuff. The other one is I need someone to actually hire me to do the job. Those are two different things. So what's in your inbox right now? What's on your to-do list this week? Well, me personally, for like I said, I'm we're still taking this cohort of teachers through most of them. This, and it's adult basic skills educators. So it's people who are working in either community-based organizations all the way through to community colleges where it may be even more structured. So, and kind of tying back to some of the questions I was asking you, some of them have already set up Google Classroom, so they have some way to connect. But these are adults who come and go easily. When a persistence is a huge issue, they've probably already failed in formula education once. And so now this is like a huge pause in their opportunity, um, to, whether they're pursuing their high school equivalency or trying to get a job or whatever it may be. So some of the things that my teachers that are I'm working with are struggling with is will my students even be there? If I, if I put something out there, um, like last semester, once teachers started out with like nine or 10 students and then their ha campus happened to be hit by a regular flu bug and they never came back. 
And so some of those are kind of interesting issues for them to think through. And so I, that's why I'm kind of really intrigued by all of these ideas. And I was asking with John and um, how are you connecting with people now that they're not following their traditional coming here, sitting down, teacher's going to be there, as you were saying, the routine of it. How do we try to establish some degree of routine and make it so it's not such a free-for-all wild, wild west? Have support, like what happened with us is we we're, we're, we're functioning in a Korean space, you know, where a lot of stuff is just, the menus are in Korean. So all the foreign faculty at my university started a group chat for the first time, which we should have done a long time ago. And we have people from 17 different language-based countries, I think. So it's, it was really a great support network. So as we're struggling with whatever Canvas issue or Zoom issue, we can kind of support each other, which has been a really nice uh, result of all of this. Um, has that kind of stuff happened in your worlds? Mm-hmm. Uh, lots, lots of ad hoc. You mean ad hoc like support yeah. for teachers, helping teachers? Definitely. We're, we're seeing much of that. Um, what we're not seeing yet, or at least that I, I'm not aware of yet, are the people who normally collaborate are not necessarily doing it. We're not getting the team meetings, the TLCs, like the, the department meetings, like those kinds of things where they're not at least I'm not seeing that they're collaborating or being purposeful about it. What we are seeing are the ad hoc pieces, right? The, I, I need help with this and I know who can help me. And, and so we'll loop in three or four people and, and do things that way. Um, I think on my to-do list or, or one of the priorities now is once, last week was about like, let's, let's dip our toe, let's get started. Um, this week it's, it's about all of the exceptions. You know, what are we doing about students with exceptional needs? What are we doing about uh, students without um, w- without internet access. What are, you know, how are we handling um, you know IEPs? How are we handling um, speech and language services? Like all of those kinds of things, which were you know you, you sort of write off and say like let's for the first few days let's just get started and and try to meet the the bulk of our students' needs. And now it's well we got to meet everybody's needs. So so how do we bring everybody else up? So that that's one of the challenges this week. I know one of the things that I'm trying to do with all these conversations is trying to ask people to remember how they feel while they're sitting in their house, trying to connect to people so that they can put that in a box and pull it back out the next time they're actually teaching people who are in that situation. Because it's the first time for a lot of people that they've actually been, I mean, if you've been a faculty member for 20 years, you've been a teacher um, one of the other things I did since we all got together is I did strategy for K-12 and I did a lot of teacher training stuff. Um, but if you've been a teacher for 20 or 30 years and are good at what you do and care about what you do, the biggest thing that 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 I that we all noticed when we worked together was how long it had been since they had been uncomfortable, right? How long it had been since they had been uncertain. So if you've been teaching grade five math for 30 years and you're the expert, it's been a long time since you didn't know what to do. And now everybody's having that experience suddenly, right? Everybody's kind of like, uh, I've got <clears throat> all these kids I care about at home and I'd like to keep teaching them, but, uh, um, and I'm just trying to get people to go, just feel that feeling, mm-hmm. you know, write about it. If you can put it like, write yourself a letter. Like, I don't care how you go about doing it, but just remember the frustration and the confusion and that feeling you had the first time somebody reached out and went, how you doing? 
right? Just that whole part of it, right? Pedagogies of care, you know, and that's what I'm trying to encourage people as much as I can. Cause again, I'm in the same position. Suddenly I'm in my basement going blackboard. I don't really know. Yeah, right. Right. So how about you, Jeff? You sound um, like you're, you're actually leaving the house. So you actually have like, <laughs> and like, you know, my, my wife is actually going to school. The students are supposed to come back uh, April 6th, I think. Um, but the teachers stop to go in occasionally to be public servants. Um, uh, you know, I'm intrigued. Well, in my inbox and my to-do list is dealing with the uh, effective issues of Zooming all day for my teacher trainees and, and pulling back on the screen time and just making that a more manageable situation and dealing with their disappointment of like, not having the face-to-face -face experience and probably not going to Canada and yeah. uh, and working, doing it all day while their colleagues are at home, <laughs> you know, because school is canceled. Yeah. Wait, I signed up for six months off and I'm here all day. Um, and then dealing just with the logistics of, of um, meeting the bureaucracy, but also like, okay, how am I going to teach this conversation course uh, in a meaningful way? So I, I've survived the first week. I'm getting a handle on Canvas. Now I'm thinking, okay, what are the possibilities? You know, having digital output is, this is very friendly for that. Um, so dealing with that. I'm, you know, really curious about this EBS streaming that starts today where they're, you know, the broadcasting the, and I feel like that's really going to be an accelerant. Like, you know, when I was discussing this with my, my wife, like why should, a hundred seventh grade teachers be teaching the same thing today in Pusan when there's a really great teacher on EBS who's probably going to do it better. And if that's the case, then what are those other 99 people going to do? Well, but it's <laughs> interactive, right? It's broadcast. So it's one person talking to thousands of people instead of 15 or, or 30. Or and you, I mean, I would think it, if the kid's at a terminal, then they cannot, it's also interactive in that way. Okay, here, take this quiz. Oh, you know, it could be, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's done synchronously, right? right? Yeah, it, it is going to be synchronous. Wow. I mean, they could consume it asynchronously. So, I mean, it's sort of like a little bit of flipped learning in there. And I do think it's going to, you know, I've always, I'm always talking about the changing role of the teacher going forward, you know. You know what? It, I mean, the technology changes, but these are the same conversations they had about <laughs> correspondence courses, you know, when you watched it on your public broadcasting. And I remember my dad took like, like his real estate broker things. He would get like a, a tape that would go in the machine and then he'd watch the lecture. And so every, like you said, everybody watched the same lecture and he had like a, a book, he'd fill out his answers. Well, that's not that much different than watching it on a computer screen and then taking the quiz afterwards. So, you know. These Personally, I think it's going to be hard for me to go back to face-to-face. -face. I do not miss the commute. <laughs> I love, yeah. uh, I, you know, I'm getting used to this. It's going to be weird to like actually stand in front of a class again. Yeah. I was just looking at, um, over Pants at our chat. Are you watching the chat? It's, John's doing a great job keeping up with Lisa. I didn't know I was missing it, but Lisa mentioned Second Life. I, I, don't, I don't think she was joking. I think she said that there's going to be a conference in Second Life. And uh, I haven't heard anyone moving over there for stuff. I think I still owe Lisa $5 for something. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you're being nice? Uh, you know, I have to be nice to, to some people. Dave. It's just not your turn yet. <laughs>
So, John, I need to know what can come true if I have the courage to pursue them. Because I can't tell. I just know it can come true. Oh, that, that's a Disney quote. I just need the top. Dreams. Okay, good. I didn't know what was coming true. It's been driving me nuts. Something's <laughs> coming true. I can pursue it. Just tell yeah. me what it is. Here. We've got the whole, well, the whole, you've been in the room. The whole room's Disney stuff. So, so Jeff, let us know, how do we get from where we are now to where you are? Like, what did you guys have to go through? You mentioned before we started, I think it was, you guys were, you were had the masks. You thought that was uh, helpful. Yeah, I think masks are a big deal. Um, I think testing, you know, we had the testing in place, ready to go. And every time someone in Pusan gets uh, pinged, we get pinged that, okay, this person uh, was at Costco from 9.30 until 11. Really? And then they were, and so, okay, I'm going to stay away from there. Wow. So you know what happened with the masks here, Jeff, in North America? There weren't enough masks here. So the, the language went out right away that they didn't actually help. Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's scaled back from there so then it was if you're sick it does help but if you're not it doesn't and then it's scaled back again where they're like well it doesn't perfectly help which was what was true all along the problem but, was the healthcare professionals couldn't get masks because this is right this is exactly it so they had to they put out that messaging here because there just weren't enough like on in stock. Really? even canada did that um no i mean we're so affected by the, we, we did have the store here, but we we're so affected by the American messaging that the messaging here starts to get impacted immediately as soon as it goes out in the States. We're sorry. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> no, no. And it's, it's been a weird thing, right? So suddenly I live in a border town. The medical situation on my side of the border is different than the medical situation in Michigan. Michigan, in this case, happens to be Detroit, which again, doubly has a problem right in terms of this. So it is, is a weird thing for somebody who thinks of Detroit as one of the great things about the city that they live in, which I do. Um, but suddenly it's like, you know, there's a lot of people here who work in Michigan. Um, and actually our second case in our town was again, somebody who worked in Michigan who went over for something and came back. And it's suddenly we've got this concern, right? Where um, our friends in the, well, actually for us, our friends from the North, because Detroit is technically North of Windsor, um, are suddenly a, a, like not a threat, but like where we've got this problem, right? Because while our- It was kind of funny that Mexico kind of brought up the idea of closing the border first. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll, put, we'll pay for that wall. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure. Anne, you, you cut us off before we cut you off, I think. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 we don't mean anything by it. Like it's not- <laughs> Nothing personal, but, you know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that, but sorry. it's just you know, you guys haven't tested anybody, and <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you haven't. You know, the Michigan, the Michigan state governor just said that they're doing an exception for churches, for large gatherings, hmm. even though, in, as Jeff will tell you, that the major first major uh, outbreak in Korea was in a church. Sixty percent came from. Uh, a ch with this one church, patient number 31, I'd say 90% of all cases in Korea have come from religious gatherings. It's crazy and that- and, The and only other Michigan, major one is a call center. And in Michigan, this is what they did, right? And we're like, like, just close Why? the door. Like, come on, stop, stop. Like, yeah, see, they're, they're so worried about the First Amendment that- uh, yeah, I understand it. But in Ohio, Jesus makes makes house calls. Already omnipotent and omniscient. <laughs> like, really? Come on. 
Yeah, I think, John, I think if I saw your wife went to like a parking lot for her service yeah. today, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. said, uh, this, and this church said, we're, Brick, come and stay in your car, crack your window a little bit, and, you know, we'll be up front, and they're, next week they're going to broadcast, uh, you know, an, on an FM channel so that everybody can just, you know, it's like the drive-in, right? That's you great. Your radio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, you know, sing along or whatever. I, I didn't go. It, it wasn't our church. It was just another uh, church that was nearby that she heard about and said, I want to try this out. So she went. So. See, I, th- I mean, there's part of me that's like, you know, oh, woe is us. But then there's like this whole silver lining part of it that it's like all this weird stuff. Remember, Jeff, you walked around with the old tricorder or whatever people <laughs> <laughs> when you went to podcast or whatever that was. Podcast. Podcamp, yeah. Podcamp, yeah. And now, like, everybody's having to come up with these weird things just to, you know, communicate. Weird things. It's click, oh, click, click. I'm, I'm sorry. Not, not weird, Jeff. That wasn't Careful weird now. at all. Careful. No, I mean, I'm saying weird. that was weird. I'm saying it's so not weird now. It's so easy. Like, as soon as things got easy, we stopped right. webcasting. Right. Well, it's easy. But like you said, like, there's still, like, we're, we're, make, we're forcing people over their normal apprehensions, like, yeah. tough. Like, you, if you want to go to church, you're going to turn on your yeah. radio now. You know, it's like, that's how we do it. But, but there are no implications, right? There are no expectations. There are no, you, you know, if you screw it up, you screw it up, right? Yeah. There's no, there are no consequences involved. So it's a great time for experimentation. Mm-hmm. And our teachers are starting to see that as like, wait, I can do whatever I want. And yeah, you know, we cancel testing or we're going to cancel testing. Um, doesn't really matter. We're not going to do grades more than likely for the fourth quarter of the, of the school. So go just play with stuff and, you know, if, you're, if your kids learn something, that's fantastic. If they don't, we'll figure it out next year. Yeah, but you know what, to your point, though, like, or what we've been saying, like, they will have learned that this is now a new way to communicate, and it won't be so foreign, and it will be. Right, right. So. And these are early days, and I think this is going to last a while. Uh, and so, you know, we're still in survival mode for the most part, but I think people are going to have personal experience with this. They're going to learn some lessons. So I think coming semester, I think we're not going to be totally out of the woods. I think there's going to be time to sort of process this and think, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, this is the way I want to do it. I think there's going to be a lot of experimentation and adoption eventually. I I hope so. I mean, my PhD program just went online for the summer. (gasps) Yeah. You got to tell us what's going on. Dr. Dave, what's going on? I I just got snippets on the the twin machine. Yeah, Yeah, no. So um, I found some people who are dumb enough to take me on uh, as a student. And it's in my school. Um, And my boss is in the same program. So he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just do whatever. So it's a really nice, comfortable situation for me. And basically, I'm going to be doing not the same thing I'm doing in my day job because you're going to love to do that because heaven forbid you do your PhD, something (laughs) practical. Um, But it will definitely be different. Um, But yeah, so um, I'm doing my PhD in pedagogies of abundance, basically. Um, Martin Weller's um i'm still convinced 2011 article he wrote when he was drunk um but <clears throat> which by the way i think he just got a case of wine he said so maybe he'll be right yeah yeah no well, but, that's it yeah. that's this is what i'm saying there's lots of proof i can prove <laughs> yeah. it i'm telling can you, you give me a three sentence answer answer to what is pedagogies of abundance um you know me better than that jeff um <laughs> so yes i can um pedagogy of abundance are the ways in which we deal with teaching and learning whenever information is moved from being scarce and hard to find to move to being more than you can possibly manage and, and, and adjust to. 
and just that change in how we need to look at the learning process given that. Ooh, nicely done. <gasps> Complex sentence structure. So but many tight. ways you could take oh. that. I mean, you could go. practice in that for four and a half years. That's <laughs> excellent. I love so the, it. The actual PhD application was for mid-career teachers and how they adjust. Because um, I think they're the sweet spot in, in the structure. Because most of the training ends up being for the people who don't know how to use the technology or the new people who have the whatever. But I think it's that core in that 10 to 20 year range who are still driven, but are the ones who really guide the whole system. So pre-burnout, but post-burnout. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I think that in, in my experience in any of the systems I've ever worked in, they're the ones who are hardest to convince because they know what they're trying to get done. And if you can't convince them, then the system doesn't change. Uh, Lisa's giving us some crap, I believe. She's saying that sounds like a dissertation, not a major. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Durf, <laughs> dishing it out. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I, I cannot wait to follow that trajectory of your... Can you oh, read his papers and summarize them for me, please? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm really, I am an excellent, I, I was an editor for a journal for like many, many years. I love, and I just tear papers apart. So if you'd like so, any help on that. So you know, I just sent in the the draft of my book to the publisher, right? Oh, Jesus, no. On I the same not. topic. No. Yeah. You wrote a book before you have the degree? <laughs> oh, What's the title I of the book? <laughs> uh, probably something along the same lines. Um there's a bunch of things in there. Community as curriculum has been floated as a title. Um, but the problem is, is I've got, I've got, I don't know, there's probably 62. John uh, is very familiar with his work. Um, he's been editing his way through it. Um, John and a couple of other, other of uh, our friends. And I sent it in uh, on Wednesday unexpectedly because I contacted the publisher and I'm like, uh, the world of education just, changed and I'm, I'm starting to think that while i think this book is really applicable to now i'm almost thinking that i should rewrite it <laughs> because in yeah, like on the first of march it may have made sense and john may tell you it doesn't but it may have made sense on the trajectory it was on but it's close enough to what we're talking about now that i could tweak it and have it be really applicable to this and i'm like does that even make sense was the plan for this to be an actual paper book? Yeah. Wow. They still make yeah. those, I guess. They do. They do. It's amazing how, yeah, it, there's a lot of reasons. I just got to the point where I realized that the only thing that was going to allow me to get more access to the debate for the change I was trying to make was to actually have something printed on paper. Good wow. question from Durf. Uh, are rhizomes in the book? Are rhizomes in the book? They yes. are, um, peripherally. Uh, I don't know that John has actually run across the word yet. Would you have by chapter six, John? Yeah. No. Finding? Yeah. Did you find it? You haven't gotten there. Control yet. F. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If he control F, it, it's in there later. Um, but no, it's not. Uh, it's 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 my attempt to write a book that somebody might actually be willing to read. Um, so no, it doesn't delve into strange French postmodern philosophy or anything. It's just and there are no multiple choice questions at the end. Well, there could be at the end of every at the end of every section. Yes, in every section. That's right. What if you did like an audio book and then when you got to a section you want to change, you just riff and you just go. You know what? I said that. 
that was before the pandemic and now i would like yeah, that was like two weeks ago and like <laughs> obviously that was amazing. what i would like to say now <laughs> anyway it'll be a good book it, it, i'm very excited it, it, I'm, I'm it's not ready for paper yet in my opinion but it, it's going to be a good book it's <laughs> not ready for paper yet he says oh uh, so for old time's sake, anybody got any new fun tools or resources? Links Ooh. of the week? I did put some links in a, in a thing. Let's, in a delicious nice Let's check the delicious. I know. Delicious is dead, right? Broke our hearts. Yeah. All right. I'm putting it in our little chat roll. Is that right? Because I just have to do it. I just have to do it. Okay. There you go. There's my uh, Jane Hart stuff. Good old Jane Hart. <laughs> Believe it or not, I still share this with people when they're freaking out going, I don't know. So that, that was more of a joke. But to Jeff, I think to your, to help you potentially, have you read this? Um, this It's kind of been floating around. This guy's blog post <clears throat> about video conferencing alternatives and like um, recognizing the reality that some of our students don't have internet at home. So they got, they're dealing with low broadband. Um, and then the whole idea of making, forcing people to have a synchronous exchange when that may be really difficult if you don't have childcare and all these other issues that may creep in. Um, and he just comes up with some really good alternatives and kind of lays it out in this little matrix. We all love matrix, you know, like with boxes and quadrants and things. and. I just thought it was a really practical approach that he took to say, guys, just, you know, chillax. You don't have to go right to Zoom and 25 minute recorded lectures. There's like other things we could be doing that are lower bandwidth, lower requirements on the students. So that's my pitch for the week. Well, I'll, I'll piggyback on that and say that, um, you know, one of the things we've been pointing people to is everyone on, which is an, an organization that really helps bridge digital divide stuff. And, and when, um, when you're telling all of your kids you need to be learning online and they they don't have online at their house, um, that can be quite a challenge. And so a, a lot of the ISPs are providing deals, especially in the U.S. That's where my context is right now for, um, you know, for the coronavirus um, response and for people trying to do school at home. And, and so there are a lot of um, service providers that are providing either really attractive deals or free deals for uh, this spring. So just to try to help people get online just to get school done and get work done and whatever they can do. So there is that link. Okay. I don't have a link particularly. The thing that, that comes to mind that, that I would drop is maybe the most important lesson that I learned last year in this whole process, which was that the introverts need to participate too. And it, I don't think anybody who's ever heard me talk has confused me with an introvert before. Um, but one of the things about live sessions is they can be really trying and exhausting for those introverts. And when you look at the work, I'll throw in a work about a link about pedagogies of care, but, um, when you think about the scope of the different ways that people interact, having that time to sit back and think and consider is something that can be really, really valuable for some people, not just for their ability to participate, but just for the cognitive load that they're taking on. So... For many of us who are teachers, we end up being extroverts. We're the people who like being in front of the room. We're the people who like to talk. We think active engagement and, and sort of loud engagement is something that's a positive. And for a lot of people, it's not. So when you're going through this process, try to imagine its impact on everybody else. 
And I think the the work that's been done in pedagogy as a carrot does a really good job of, uh, of working through that. So I'll get that link and pop that in. Jeff? I, I got nothing useful. I mean, <laughs> I, I know my fault. I, I just, I needed some help. I, uh, uh, I love the video of the Israeli woman freaking out about uh, being angry about, uh, she has four kids and she's like, why are you sending all this work? I don't know algebra. And I'll post a link to that. Um, and kudos to the teacher who wrote the uh, uh, We Will Survive song about using Zoom and Canvas. Oh, yeah. Great, yeah. Um, I am going to put one more in. I'm sorry. I've got, I've got a couple, but this one I want. Jen. I haven't had a chance to think about this or really spend You've had five and a half it. years, so you should have a few. <laughs> I do. I've got a couple links I'd like to share. But if you guys followed this one, the Teach From Home from Google. And again, it's so hard with Google. It's like, are you so, you know, you're trying to get us on your stuff we get it what you're trying to do here but i mean i think there are some <laughs> some helpful things that they're doing here but i think if there's also a broader uh, commentary here is we've done this before i think we might be doing it again we're letting the tech people drive the conversation and so it is something i want to point to because i think there's it's kind of interesting they're very good at obviously google's pretty good at sharing um, or at getting people to use the internet effectively but it also always makes me a little nervous when the tech companies are driving the, the narrative in education. So well, and you have to be careful, right? I mean, one of the things that, that has come up a lot for in my world is every company in the world is giving away their product for free right now, you know? And so, hey, sign up for this or, or you know, you've got even even Zoom, right? You can, you can go beyond the 40 minute limit. Um, and every tool that we have is like that. All the premium stuff is free now. And then what do you do in two months? when all of those offers expire and you have built this as part of uh, an ecosystem that you're dependent on. And so we've been really careful about what are we adopting? What are we adding? Even though it's free, uh, is this something that we can sustain over the long term? And is it something that, that is worth that? And so privacy. being careful about that. Yeah, right. You, gotta, you, you still have to do all of that due diligence. We're still reading the terms of service and dealing with privacy yeah. and dealing with all of that stuff. And then also trying to not fragment the staff too much, right? Because everybody, back to the abundance thing, right? Everybody's looking at Google and saying, um, not looking at Google as a search and saying, how do I do this stuff? And they're hearing from other educators, other schools, other, you know, other entities and, and saying, I'm just figuring it out as I go along. And that means that they're building their own toolkits. And so we don't have a lot of standardization and, we, and we're trying to be careful about that. So, you know, we don't want them in four different video platforms so that when we come back, we're trying to support all of this different stuff. So we're really careful when we push things out to our teachers, like, okay, which screencasting tool are we going to tell them to use? Which, um, you know, video conferencing solution are we gonna say, this is the best way to go for you? And so we're really trying to filter that stuff for them to keep them from adopting everything. So that's been a challenge for us. I threw a couple things in the uh, chat. One was, um, the website that we kind of put together internally for our schools, um, and mostly it's it's how do I do this stuff? How do I teach this stuff online? And and there's a lot of video tutorials in there and um, descriptions and like okay, a as a teacher, this is why you would use this tool. This is or this is the problem that you have, and this is how we would solve it. Um, and these are the resources that you need to do it. And so there, there's a lot of that stuff in there. And th this guy um, keeps doing these videos every day. I don't know if you know anything about mm -hmm. that, but He's fantastic, and I, I it just it leaves a bad taste in my mouth to say these things, but <laughs> I read them every day because it's like this guy's right, and he's um, uh, 
um, uncharacteristically concise and like he's on <laughs> characteristically <laughs> concise. Just, he's really good. These backhanded compliments, they just come one right out to yeah. They do. I feel very I deserve all of them. Like it's all good. Dave, Not the compliment part, but the backhand. Dave's hitting it out of the park. If you haven't watched his videos every on how do I approach teaching online, they're just really good. So what are you doing? You're zooming it and then you're putting them out on uh, like streaming it on YouTube? Or no, what you it's actually funny because one of the things that and now that I'm like, oh, I have all kinds of links to post. Um, I spend a bunch of times playing with a bunch of different technologies to do that thing that I really love to do, which is turn the camera on, look into the camera and try my best to get five minutes of thinking out. Um, thing I like about that is that it's I'm lazy and, you know, you hit start, you hit stop and it's done. So I tried OBS Studio, which is very good. Um, but it's in a couple of extra clicks, but the inside the new YouTube creator studio, you can set up a timed start and it doesn't actually time a start. Like the timing's not actually all that useful, except that somebody can open up the window and it will hold them there until you actually start, which is really all mm. it does. But when you hit go live, it gives you like a four second pause and then you can go straight in. The audio quality is good. The video quality is fine. Uh, does a good job of adapting to light and then um so yeah i've just been going straight into youtube which has been really really good oh cool yeah no and i think for a lot of people then one of the things i've been encouraging people to do is don't do two hour videos but rather do five minute videos about one thing that you really care about and then like drive forward with that and put that as a discussion starter right mm -hmm. rather than a two-hour lecture which uh, no offense jeff but oh my god two hour like yes. Well, don't worry. I'm not giving two-hour yeah. lectures. Two hours, <laughs> I'm not a lecturer. Five and a half, six hours. I'm an asker of questions. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's really tough um, for for a lot of people out there trying to figure out how to make this conversion. But I think the YouTube straight to live is is a really nice option. Uh, the only thing that you have to hit the left button. There's a menu on the top of the screen. It took me like three days to find it because um, uh, I'm dumb apparently. But yeah, you just hit the the go straight and it goes. Yeah. Google always finds, always hides the important button. There's always like a continue or a something that. Yeah, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But those have been really good. Um, they've been fun to do. I started them because I was getting twitchy, right? Because we like we could all see it coming. Our university was waiting until it got a chance to change its Senate regulations, giving people the freedom to make choice. And I understood why they did that. But I was like, we need to get started. This is going to get crazy really soon. Mm -hmm. um, so I just started doing videos and then put it up on a website. And Bonnie convinced me to make it look prettier. Uh, I should say what it is. Olaya.ca. O-L-I-A-H.ca. You putting in that in, John? Yeah. Thank you. We should also mention uh, Durf and Jose have put in a bunch of uh, useful yeah. links into the chat, yeah. which we will certainly put in the Thank show notes. Guys. Thank you so much for coming out and listening to us just rambling. I'm just saying, Durf, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be an ed tech talk if you weren't trash talking me. I really appreciate right. it. <laughs> you got to go back and read it. It's been yeah, she's yeah, Durf. She has not lost a step. She's not lost a step. <laughs> it's great. Uh, this, this was so fun, Jeff. Thank you for making us do it. Making us, yeah. Do it. Don't know why we waited so long. So well, we didn't. Not, we didn't have any excuse. Like literally, have no <laughs> excuse. <laughs> I'm not going to get my hair cut. I'm nothing. <laughs>
Well, I have six hours of teaching ahead today. Well, you go. Best of luck with that. You do your best, Jeff. You do your best. It's all we can do. It's all you can do. Are we doing this again? I'd be up for it. 2025. Yeah, next pandemic, <laughs> I'm there. Can we get a, Can we get a picture behind you, though, Jeff? Like, I feel like I need a picture. Oh, sure. You can do a thingy like that. Yeah, I'll do my yeah. virtual background. Virtual background. Yeah. Or closet doors or something. <laughs> it does sort of look like you're, yeah. Like Yay. 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 That's nice. Chilling. Stay chill, people. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone stay safe. Yeah. Jeff, you're the only yep. one who actually has a mask. The rest Watch of us. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. Um, and we'll be back sometime. Sometime. Hey, how's how's Tuesday nights for you guys? We're not allowed to leave Seriously, the house. Jeff. Okay. <laughs> every, you get nothing. Every night is great. <laughs> every night. <laughs> it does have its advantages. My my only caveat will be I may not make some of those because I have um, an eleven and thirteen year old in my house, and they need a lot of yeah, attention. Nice. And I'm working. I, who are entertaining too? We should actually bring them on. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. they are very much invited. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. They're 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 iGen, Gen Z. They are Gen Z. Yeah, no, and they're um, they're performers, so they're more than happy to get in front of the microphone. <laughs> Dave, we should just do that. Dave, we should just do that with your kids and my kids, right? Yeah. Hey, do you have enough great. devices in your home? There are four Macs in my house. Plus, I brought my work computer home, which you can see in the background there. Plus, we have you know some other devices lying around. Oh my God, Oscar broke his uh, his cell phone yesterday. No, that yeah, yeah, yeah. It dropped on the floor and cracked, and he's like broke, like won't touchscreen won't work, nothing. Mm -hmm. He's like, uh, this is a kid who never asks for anything. Like he's not a, um, but he's like, um, I'm locked in the house for the next six months. Um, <laughs> I know I dropped the phone, and I know I took off the protective case that you told me I should have on it, but. Uh, do you think maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah. gravity is a heartbreaker? Yeah, yeah, I know it is. We we get our phones from Swappa, Swappa.com, which is they're they're pre-owned phones, but they're um they're clean phones. And in, in other words, they guarantee that they're not stolen phones and they're not black, you know, they they actually work. Um I don't know if that's those are options for you. But um, anyone with teenagers should be aware of that site. Yeah, tough, we, tough for we, me to get across uh, the border right now. And and it's good too because we we typically buy like a generation old or two generation old phones so that we're not paying eight hundred dollars for them and uh, yeah we we go through phones quite a bit. All right. All right. Well, on that note, it has been great talking to everybody. Everybody out there, stay safe. Thanks for tuning yeah, in live or to the recording. We'll, we'll look forward to the, continuing the conversation sometime. Next time. Next time. <laughs> See you guys later. Yes. Have a good yeah. night or night. day. Have a good morning, Jeff. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.